Please have a seat. Isn't it good to be reminded of those truths, hey? And encourage one another by declaring that out loud. It's good. All right, including today, we have three weeks left in our John series. Does anyone remember the first message and when it was? It was about 16 months ago, our first message in this series on the Gospel of John. And including today, we've got three weeks left. We're into John chapter 21 today. So can I encourage you again, get something in front of you where you can see the scripture. Um, A Bible, an app on your phone. And some of it will be on the screen, but some of it will just be sitting in for a little while. This is John chapter 21. Now, if you've done any study in this, John chapter 21 seems like a later addition to John's gospel. It feels like it's it feels like John's gospel finished at the end of chapter 20 and then there's this next bit and there's many theories in, in um, the areas of scholarship around this about why and how and who and, and what but here it is, it's in here so we're going to look at it, this is great. Um, maybe, maybe because of what it deals with, you see when we go into the book of Acts, and we start to see the church really be birthed and start to grow, Peter is a main um, protagonist. He's a main player in that. If John finished at the end of chapter 20, we were left with Peter basically having denied Jesus and looking like he'd just messed it all up, and, and how does it make sense that he's now one of the key guys? John chapter 21 addresses that. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe John himself wanted to set the record straight that he, there was this rumour going around that he was going to live forever. He was going to live until Jesus came back. And maybe John wanted to set that record straight. We don't know the reason why there's a chapter 21, but we've got it and we're going to look into it and it's pretty good. So here we go. But before we get to that, where, what we find is that in John chapter 21, the, the disciples are back in Galilee. Okay, so they've left Jerusalem, they've gone north, and they're back in their hometowns, back where it all began. And they are here because Jesus told them to be there. Now this isn't in John's Gospel, but I've got it on the screen from Matthew's Gospel. Check this out, Matthew 28. It says, After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb, and the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Verse 9. Suddenly Jesus met them and Jesus said to them, "Do, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So they have gone up to Galilee. That's where they are, and this is where we pick up today's passage. John 21, starting in verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. 
Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. And he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, because he was working, he was fishing, right? And he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. You know when you watch a movie sometimes, and it's usually towards the end of the movie, and the, the main character is there, and you have these flashback scenes. So the main character might be doing something, and then you've got all these flashbacks of things that have happened past, either in the person's past or in the past story that's been shown in the movie, and it helps you make sense of what is happening and about to happen, because you're reminded of the things that have, that have led up to where, where this now is. We, we, we get that in a, in a movie sense. We're, we're familiar with that. I reckon it feels like John is doing that here. It feels like that as we read it. Here's a couple of things. First, he uses the name Simon Peter. This takes us right back to chapter one of John's gospel, when Jesus first met Simon and he said, I am going to call you Peter, Cephas. It means the rock. It takes us right back to chapter one. We hear that Thomas is also there. We know that Thomas, just one chapter ago, Thomas was the one who wouldn't believe until he saw and touched Jesus. And Jesus said he was blessed for that, but how blessed will those be who believe who have not yet seen? Reminds us of that. Reminds us of Thomas back in chapter 11 when Jesus was going to go back to Judea because he heard that Lazarus was sick and the disciples were going, don't go back there, don't go back. And Thomas is going, no, we're going to go with you and even if we die, we're with you. Thomas was there on the boat, and this is the Thomas that we're reminded of from what John's already unpacked in his gospel. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, it tells us. Nathaniel was the first one when Jesus saw him sitting under a tree. Nathaniel in chapter 1 says, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. And Cana of Galilee, it's where this first miracle happened the water into the wine. Just hearing that phrase, Cana of Galilee, brings those memories back. There was a fire of burning coals. A fire of burning coals gives a particular odour that's different to a fire of burning wood. There was a fire of burning coals that Peter was standing next to in the courtyard where he denied Jesus three times. John isn't writing this stuff just to fill in space on a page. It didn't work like that. There was fish and bread, takes us back to chapter 6, where Jesus, with some fish and some bread, fed 5,000 people. 
And at the end of feeding that 5,000 people, they all followed him to the other side of the lake. And so Jesus started talking about, I am the true bread of heaven. And that teaching was pretty hard for people to hear. So the 5,000 ended up leaving. He was left with the 12. And he says to them, are you going to leave as well? And Peter is the one who speaks up. He goes, where would we go? You're the, you're the Messiah. You're the one with the eternal words of life. All these things are little triggers for us as we read just this introductory passage in chapter 21. But I want to focus on the fishing part of it. So Peter and John and five others, they're back in Galilee because they went there because Jesus said to go there. And Jesus hadn't turned up yet. So what do you do when you're back in your hometown? What do you do when you're back in that place that's familiar? You usually go back to what is most familiar. They went fishing. Most of them were fishermen. It would make sense that they would go fishing. But how true is this for most of us? We start to follow Jesus. We hit a few hurdles. Things get tough. We have a few doubts. It's not quite working out the way I thought it was going to work out. And our natural inclination is to go back to what was before. I don't know if you can relate to that or if it's just me. And here's this picture of these fishermen doing this. We naturally drift back to the life we lived before Jesus grabbed our attention and called for our allegiance. And it's easy to do because it's familiar. In some ways, it's expected from those around us. And we see a picture of the disciples doing this. seems clear in this passage that Peter and the others were pretty uncertain about what do we do. We've come back to Galilee. We've done this three-year journey with Jesus. We thought he was going to be this conquering Messiah, but he died on a cross. And then we think we've, we've seen him. He appeared in this room, but it was sort of like him, but it was sort of not like him. And he just appeared and it, he ate stuff and he talked to us, but it, there's something different about him. And... and we can't make sense of some of it and we're back to where we started and, and it just feels like this fishing is the easiest thing to do. It's what we know. What I love, now we know that Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and then Luke wrote the book of the Acts of the Apostles. But in our Bibles we have the book of John and very next is the book of Acts. So if we read the book just like we would read a normal book. When we finish John's account, we go into Acts and it's not long into the book of Acts that we see these apostles doing miraculous things. Baptised in the Holy Spirit, on fire for God, seeing thousands come to faith. It's, it's only a few pages away. And there's something about the uncertainty that these fishermen are feeling at this point when they've gone fishing again to the absolute assurance that they have a few pages later. And the difference to that is the Holy Spirit. But that's not what we're talking about today, but keep that in mind. Okay, so they've gone fishing. They're out there all night. They didn't catch anything. There's a guy on the shore. They're not sure who it is. He tells them, 
Just throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Now, I'm looking around. There's a few fishermen in this room. If you are fishing somewhere and a stranger comes along and tells you to do it differently, what's your immediate reaction? Yeah. <laughs> Go away, Ian said. <laughs> That's the immediate reaction. You're not telling me what to do. I'm a fisherman. I know what I'm doing. I'm not listening to some Neville tell me... Sorry if your name's Neville. Um, I'm not listening to some nobody. Just There's that sense of it, isn't there? But they throw their nets on the other side. Now, this has to be sparking things for the, for the disciples. We're going to go back to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Check this story out. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is the Sea of Galilee, same thing. The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little for shore, from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. That situation, that encounter would have to be ringing in their heads. They're out fishing all night. We're now back in John's Gospel. They're out fishing all night, catch nothing. There's a guy on the shore, tells them to throw their nets on the other side, and they catch such a large harvest of fish that they've just got to be going, this is just like a few years ago. It's the same thing. It's got to be the same thing. You see, as a fisherman, if you start being successful, it would seem to make sense that you'd want to keep going down that path that your success is bringing. But as we read this account, it seems that this account in Luke, that miraculous catch of fish actually led Peter away from fishing. If I was Peter, I would have wanted to hang around and do that again, and again, and again, and watch the money come in. Because I'm just catching these nets full of fish. But just when he has probably the biggest catch he's ever had in his life, he walks away from it to follow Jesus because Jesus called him to follow. And in this scene in today's passage, in John's Gospel, surely Peter's memory is stirred by this. The night of no catch followed by the big catch. That day when his original declaration of Jesus as Lord, his call to become a fisher of men rather than a fish, his decision to leave all that behind and follow Jesus 
It's being repeated. The scene is being repeated. A massive catch of fish. This time the net didn't break. And there was 153 fish. Why would John include that detail? I started looking at that. There are theories galore about why the number 153 is in there. And I read a whole bunch of these theories. And I personally ended up dismissing the whole lot and went, you know what, John's a fisherman. He caught 153 fish in one go. Why would you not tell people that? <laughs> if you're a fisherman, I'm sure you've got a good story of the biggest fish you've ever caught, and you can tell people that story over and over and over. Or the most amount of fish you ever caught on one fishing trip. That's what fishermen tend to do. There's 153 fish in this net, and the net didn't break. That's a story worth repeating. Anyway, that's an aside, 153 fish. <laughs> as soon as Peter realised that it was Jesus on the shore, actually, he didn't realise, John realised. Because I reckon John, his mind's going in overdrive about that last thing that, was, that we read in Luke's Gospel. And John's going, it was Jesus last time who told us to throw the net on the other side and we caught all those fish. There's a guy on the shore, we can't quite make out who it is. I reckon it's Jesus because the same thing has happened again. And John's the one who says, it's the Lord. And then Peter does, and I can't get past my favourite movie of all time, Forrest Gump. Peter does a Forrest Gump. <laughs> Remember when Forrest Gump sees Lieutenant Dan on the dock? And he just looks and he's like, Lieutenant Dan, he just jumps off his boat because he wants to get to Lieutenant Dan as quick as he can. I, get, I just get this picture of Peter being like that. <laughs> now, we've just read in chapter 20 that John often realised something was going on before Peter. John and Peter ran to the tomb together and John records that he got there first. I don't know if Peter's competitive, he probably is, but I just get this sense, Peter's going, John, you're not getting there first this time. I'm out of the boat, I'm getting there, and I'm getting to him before you do. And he just jumps out of this boat. I love the picture of that. It is the Lord, John says. And Peter jumps into the sea about 100 yards, gets there first. And I love how John might have had the revelation of Jesus being present, but the, the, what, what comes out for me as I read this passage is Peter just wanted to show his devotion to Jesus. Now this is interesting, because really the last time we see Peter in John's Gospel is Peter denying Jesus. Our picture of God is really, really important. I remember reading a little thing somewhere. Um, I don't know what it's called. Is it a meme? It might be a meme. I don't know. Um, I remember reading this thing. It said, when you really, really 
stuff up and get it wrong. Some of us say, oh, I hope Dad doesn't find out. Others of us say, I've stuffed up, I've got it wrong, I can't wait to tell Dad. What's our picture of God like? I get this sense that Peter knows he stuffed up a few days ago. And here's a chance with the risen Jesus and he can't wait to get to him. If his picture of Jesus was a bit off, if his picture of, of God was there's this judgmental, angry, vengeful God, he, he would have swum the other way. I love this picture of Peter seeing Jesus, knowing that his last significant encounter was not a good one, and he can't wait to get to him. I'm inspired by Peter's devotion in this passage. Now next week, we're going to continue the last part of chapter 21 and see that interaction between Peter and Jesus, which is just terrific. But today, I love how John has given us this 21st chapter that helps us see how Jesus can use all things point people back to himself, to reveal his character and his nature, which is one of your welcome and forgiveness and acceptance and his desire for you to flourish and to do well. All that comes out in this passage, which is awesome. So let that be our disposition and desire, to be devoted to Jesus and we are going to get things wrong, and we are going to mess up. But when we do that, let's not listen to that little lie that sinks into our head that says, oh, God's not happy with you. God won't really want to spend time with you. You probably shouldn't pray because God's not going to answer your prayers now because of that thing you've just done. That is all rubbish. When we stuff up, let our response be, I'm running to Jesus because I've just stuffed up. And he is going to be the one who still loves and still accepts. And there'll be times when he will challenge us and there'll be things in our life that he will want to prune and cut out and fix up. But we can do that when we're with him, not when we're separated from him. Let that be where this story leads us, to be people who just choose to push into Jesus at all times. What a great picture. Let me pray for us. So Father God, I thank you that you love us. Jesus, you have modelled the very nature and character of God the Father. So as we read this account today, let us be inspired that you, you desire to be with us. Our behaviour our thoughts, our mistakes do not define how you feel about us. You can see past that because you are faithful. You are faithful to who you are, you are faithful to your nature and you are love. Let us be reminded of that today.
Amen. So I just want to finish this morning now just with, again, a chance to, maybe there's something